tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, listeners, to our Creativity Podcast. Have you ever been watching an episode of, uh, say, NCIS or Law and & Order, and a really tense moment comes up, and then all of a sudden it goes to commercial? Oh, oh, oh. People with type 2 diabetes are excited oh, about the potential oh, 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 of once-weekly Ozempic. If eligible, you may pay as little as $25 per or, prescription. you know, you're Ask thinking your about COPD today. and grandma having some uh, lung issues. COPD makes it hard to breathe. So to breathe better, I go with a Nora. COPD tries to say, go this way. And all of a sudden I you say, say is that a Fleetwood Mac song? Well, this is just one example of the cross-fertilization, the cross-feeding of creativity. And we're going to talk about that in a lot of different angles with my guest today, Patrick Smith. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Patrick's a creative director and a longtime industry friend. You're both a rock aficionado and an aging rocker yourself, <laughs> like a lot of these bands in the drug commercials. What's your take on these drug commercials that use rock songs? Oh, 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 it's magic. <laughs> they borrowed a song from Pilot from way back in the 70s. As we set this up, we're talking about cross-fertilization and ideas can come from anywhere. You know, pharma is kind of risk adverse, so I'd say a little bit. And so when they're looking for ways to get recall and have some synergies with their brand in terms of like the, either the name or just recall about what the, the brand promise is about, you know, they've turned to some classic songs. And so that's one example of cross-fertilization between brands borrowing from, from pop culture and, and music more specifically. I mean, uh, the first time I think this started really happening was in the late 80s when Nike did it uh, with the Beatles, with the Revolution Spot. And that was, at the time, very groundbreaking. And I can mm -hmm. even remember my parents like turning on their head and looking at the commercial thinking, oh boy, what just happened? Yes. <laughs> you know, that was a big, that was a big deal. But now, I mean, we start to hear uh, rock music being kind of brought into the fold in pharma quite a bit. There's actually a few spots out there. I think there's even a Sonny and Cher spot. Yeah, spot. the beat goes on. The beat goes on. Thank you. Yeah. Was, and and uh, you're right. I mean, you know, it was such a shocker because you say, oh, the Beatles, they quote sold out or, you know, Bob Dylan was on like, I think a Victoria's Secret ad or something, but mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise you to hear Casey and the Sunshine Band or Three Dog Night on some of these commercials, but some of them are a little bit surprising. Yeah, d definitely. And you know, I think, you know, obviously it's it's working somewhere because pharma loves a profitable formula. So <laughs> if it's working for, you know, one category, you know, maybe somebody else will take it and borrow it in, in another category. So it's definitely being utilized and it's it's interesting to hear. Some of the songs are pretty good too. That pilot song is, is really a great song when you go back and listen to it from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's nice to hear some classics, you know, live another life. It's, it's fun to see those out there. And then, um, and I gotta say, they're probably a lot better than some of the original songs that I've, <laughs> that I've uh, heard. Many of them are. I gotta tell you, you're absolutely right. Well, listeners, stay tuned. At the end of this episode, we're gonna have a little mini playlist of some of these songs. Maybe we can even match the original with the drug commercial. So it'll be fun. So stay along to the end of the episode. Well, that, that's a tease, isn't it, Patrick? Absolutely. Well, you know, I guess thinking about 
branding and commercials overall. I mean, some of this we've often called in the industry borrowed interest, you know, that you might not be interested in my product if I just told you the basic story. But if I put a jingle, but if I put a, a character, but if I put a cool illustration behind it, maybe that would attract your attention more. What is the psychology behind these creative avenues? Well, first of all, for in healthcare, but for almost any product, brand stories or the product stories can be long, they can be complicated, they can get become very technical. And so I think it's just looking for something that will stick and somebody can repeat back to themselves. It's that catchphrase that becomes a shorthand for the brand. So a good example of this is, you know, hey, Culligan man. So that's a classic one from days gone by. But when you hear that, you know you're talking about clean water for your, for your home, for your restaurant, for whatever it is. So that's really simple very clean way to get a brand idea across without having to tell the complete story. So there's a lot of power in that. Simplicity is, is the power behind those jingles and being able to have customers recall that and have something stick and live on. Well, we've been talking about jingles, but now you, you've reminded me just about sonic branding. Yeah. It's something that plays in the ear, not just the eye or all the senses. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and the experience too. I mean, so, you know, the more you can kind of, when it comes to branding, the more you can engage all the senses from obviously there's visual and, and voice or words and language, but, you know, start to get into tactile things and, and, and audio and sound. And then just, and even being able to move through, you know, four-dimensional space or, you know, if it's a hotel or a car dealership or even a grocery store experience is becoming a, a bigger and bigger thing. All you need to really do is just look at, you know, Whole Foods compared to any neighborhood grocery store in the last 15 years, a company like that or a brand like Whole Foods comes along and changes the whole, you know, retail shopping experience. So, and they've really changed the entire category over time. So yeah, all those components kind of come together to make a big difference and, and really drive a brand forward. Mm -hmm. And when I think about your portfolio of projects, Patrick, I mean, yeah, the experience has been part and parcel to that. Yes, a lot of print, perhaps, but, you know, digital trade show booths, uh, you know, it's kind of the sense around packaging. Well, what else do you think we can connect the dots to, to say, when a brand is trying to create that sense around experience? Is a question, what are brands trying to do experientially? Yes, and all the mediums and all the... You know, yeah. touch points they might try to create. So when it comes to a brand kind of putting together kind of a, a 360, if you will, of an experience around a customer, it's really ultimately trying to create a, like an emotional response and a, a memory, a thought, a feeling. And so if it's something is just visual, that's, that's only one channel. But if you can surround all the senses, it becomes a lot more real. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like going to the movies you know, with your friends and, and watching something. You're immersed in it. And I think that's what brands are ultimately trying to do is create, you know, kind of a full sensory experience because they, they want you to walk away with an emotional impression. Again, going back to the taglines or, you know, Hey Culligan Man or the music, they want that one thing that'll help crystallize what their brand promises and help differentiate them. So and they need all those parts and pieces to come together so, so you can live it for a moment or two. So that's really what it's about. Well, when thinking about your own creative inspiration, I mean, certainly none of our mutual friends or anybody that follows you on your social channels would know that travel, photography, you know, all sorts of visual inputs, but not everybody might know about your appetite for comedy clubs and no. uh, <laughs> how comedians yeah. and that laughter kind of feeds sure. the creative uh, juices too. 
Sure. It's kind of a sickness. <laughs> you know, there was pre-pandemic, there was a phase where I think I went to LA four or five times in the span, span of, you know, four or five months. I was going almost every, every few weeks. And I was primarily going to comedy clubs out there. I, you know, I went once and I just got a, almost addicted to it. What I really loved about it, there was, there was lots of comedians, obviously, that are very talented. But maybe for like a baseball fan going to Wrigley Field or, or Boston and seeing a game there, it was the same thing for me going to the comedy store or the improv in, in L.A. and being able to see these great artists, these great comedians go up and work through sets over the course of a week. So I would stay, try to stay for a week and I would try to actually go during off nights because those nights are the nights that people are actually working material about. So it was a lot of fun to go up and see somebody sit in the back row in a half-filled room or maybe a quarter-filled room and a professional that you'd seen on TV go up with their notes and fumble through a set, <laughs> get lots of booze, get some laughs. But over the course of it, you know, they would even self-critique themselves. They'd say things like, oh, I need to work on that one, you know, things like that. And then if you go back on a Thursday night when actually it's kind of more of the professional show and fuller crowds are on a Friday, you'd see them refine their act and go through just a core idea to something way more polished and you could hear it in the room. I mean, just the laughter bouncing off the walls and you could start to see them start to refine a bit. And then a lot of these uh, comedians would go out on the road with things after they've refined them over time. But sitting there, it was it was a lot of fun. It kind of like reassured me as a creative, like you, you don't have to have the perfect idea figured out, you know, out of the gate. You know, even these high level professional entertainers are still working through a core idea, trying to figure it out during the week. And it's, it's work. They're putting work into it. You know, their, their work is on stage in front of people, uh, you know, laughing or booing, you know, at any <laughs> given time, you know, our work's a little bit different, different environment. Uh, and we have business objectives attached to what we're doing, but yes. it was, you know, this, the processes have a lot of parallels. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be fun to have a, a live audience in some of the brainstorming sessions uh, at an agency? It's like, uh, I could see some booze. I could see some applause. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think you got a morsel of an idea, but that's a dog, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, I think as long as they understand the process, that's what's, that would yes, be. Yes, that's what yeah. I'm curious about. I mean, did, did the other people in the room, like you, have an appreciation that's what they were watching? Mm -hmm. You know, or did they think, oh, geez, I came on a Tuesday night, what it did? Uh, there was, a, it was probably a lot of tourists in there. So they were expecting a show. Uh, for the over probably 80, 20 and the other 20% were probably people either like me, they were just generally curious about how, you know, how these people perform on an off night and other, other writers and, and comedians, you could, you could tell in the room who was like a right, like a Hollywood writer and who mm -hmm. was a tourist, you know, there was, there's definitely some industry people in there. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe underappreciated in that is the writing process. Oh yeah. You know, you know we think of the stand up comic. It's all delivery. Well, not so much. Right. No, I, a subtlety in a word here and there, giving some open space or some quiet space to build tension and just have the tension kind of fill the room, being able to act something out, even though it's beyond just the words, but giving some emphasis to them were all things that you could see evolve during the week. So it was, it was really fun to watch that. And, and for me too, even doing design work, I need to write. I have to start with words. I need a hook. I need a tagline. That's kind of how I think in these little keywords and, and tagline bits to get an idea, a visual idea started. Otherwise I'm just drifting. And so writing for me really helps at least crystallize what direction I'm going. And, um, you know, parallel, paralleling that to the 
the stand-up, you could see when somebody would, would twist a word or change a word, how that would impact uh, the timing and things along those lines and, and, and make a big difference by the end of the week. And have you been able to see any of these acts, uh, maybe at different venues where, you know, was their delivery or pace or performance different sure. in different places? Yes, just like in baseball, the kind of the baseball analogy with maybe, but American League parks are a little bit larger. They just, they just are. And so if you went to a certain, it wasn't even so much the venue, but also the rooms. So sometimes a room is, is a 50 person room versus a 300 person room. So the way they would project, obviously, is one thing and act things out because the stage was bigger. But within LA itself, the comedy store is probably a little bit more experimental. So you'll have some otter sets, we'll say, to say it that way. Uh, <laughs> Not say for work for this or for this podcast, but yes. <laughs> a little bit you know, further out there. And then if you go to a more, uh, I wouldn't call it mainstream, but kind of a more classic venue like the Improv, it's a, a little bit more straightforward, not not quite as experimental. So yeah, there's definitely and and to see the same comedians do different sets in different venues, you could see it. You could see a difference for sure, just because I think the people that go to different some of these different venues were just and some had more tourists than others, and some had more locals than others. So some had more industry. So they're kind of catering to those needs as well. Mm -hmm. And I guess like the singer songwriters, there is a business side to these comics as well. I mean, you sure. got to get the booking, you got to get out there and put yourself out there. There's a little bit of the tightrope walk, you know, yeah, <laughs> like an audience. take some chances and build the audience, but you yeah. also want to appeal to the mainstream as much as you can, perhaps. Yeah, I would say that just like in, in advertising, when we're presenting ideas, I think we always, we look at the brief first and then we, we say, we want to deliver directly on the brief, right? That's, that's kind of like the first order of business. So we're, we're delivering what the client asked for. And the same thing that would happen with maybe a songwriter or a band or a comedian, they would go there and they, they wouldn't necessarily play their hits, but they would play some stuff they knew worked. They had worked it out. And then uh, as the set goes on, uh, things might evolve a little bit, just like with a record on the B side, and you might have something a little bit different than what the band might be known for. So there's definitely a stretching and a, and a, and a constant stretching and evolving of ideas that I, that I really appreciate and really like too. Uh, different comedians might go a little bit further than others, um, and some are very abstract at times, but uh, there's definitely a conscious effort to stretch and continue to evolve and do new things, especially during the course of a set. You could really, you could really see it over time. You know, Patrick, we value collaboration in our uh, advertising craft so much. And just thinking about bands and singers, you know, there's just so much collaboration. Where does the individual stand-up comic get the team work, the feedback, besides just the audience feedback, but is there the back room, the coffee shop, the bus you know, <laughs> after sure. the show? Well, I heard something very interesting not too long ago on a podcast between comedians. One comedian was being interviewed by another comedian. And he asked the comedian, as comedy to stand-up comedy turned into a team sport? Hmm. Meaning that once you hit a certain level, you need to surround yourself with other writing talent to deliver, come up with great concepts and, and, and build those out. When you're talking about more kind of people starting out, on the individual level, there's definitely the, the collaboration comes in with your, your circle, but it's definitely the, the audience as well. The audience, you get immediate feedback, thumbs up or thumbs, thumbs down right away. And even if you have a thumbs down night, you know, if you know your material is good based on what your circle is saying, you know, you just need to keep refining it. So that's just, again, just like in marketing and advertising, you're, you might have a great idea that's just not executed right. And so they work in a very similar kind of way. And I will say with social media too, I think a lot of comedians now are testing uh, concepts and ideas on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram. So that's kind of an instant gratification or a instant little piece of market research that they could do to kind of see if a concept starts to work. And usually those things are 
what I've seen in, in the last couple of years are very news topical. So if something happens in the news, somebody might tweet something out right away and make a comment on it. And then they might perform it that night based on how much feedback they get or likes or about that kind of thing or retweets. Yeah, there's definitely some built-in feedback loops in the social space for sure. Well, we've been talking about cross-fertilization. We've been talking about creative inspiration. My guest is Patrick Smith, a creative director in Chicago. And thinking about collaboration, Patrick, you're, you're making some moves in your own work, in your own craft, in your own surrounding yourself with different collaborators. Well, how's it going for you these days? It's great. I mean, the, I don't want to date this, but we're, you know, we're, we're coming through the second year of COVID. Collaborating through a pandemic <laughs> has had its own unique set of challenges. But, you know, I think over the last five years or so, we were really lucky. We started to build the infrastructure with tools like Zoom and Slack and obviously email and all those kinds of things are, have been there. And from a workflow perspective, we've, we've had all the infrastructure in place where we haven't had to really change the way we work too much. It hasn't be, it wasn't a really painful switch over. The only thing that has been different has been the face-to-face time. And so I, I'm a, still a big believer in, in face-to-face time, the water cooler chat. I think that so much nuanced conversation happens, you know, at, in those moments, you know, when you schedule something between one and 125, you know, you don't have as much of that, that chit chat or some of that magic. So I, I, I missed some of the, the face-to-face time. But as we're coming out of this, you know, it, it's great to be able to be able to go start doing things in real life again. An example of this is I'm on the board of the Chicago Graphic Design Club, and we just had our first in-person studio tour uh, about two weeks ago. And it was great to see people in a design studio talking about ideas, talking about process. So it, it was a very fulfilling moment to <laughs> kind of go through that. <laughs> that, and, that feels like almost a throwback moment, but I, yeah, I, really, really. I can sense myself there. I would yeah, love to it, be there again. <laughs> it was fantastic. And then up, up until that point for the last year and a half or so, we've only had Zoom events. So it, it's definitely, I, I enjoy being in the room. I enjoy mixing it up with people and kind of come up with great ideas and, and pushing those. And the collaboration part's a big part of why I like doing what we do. And what's on your plate these days? Wow. <laughs> so what I really enjoy what I'm doing right now is I'm working different mus- creative muscles than I probably wouldn't have worked 10 years ago. So an example of this is one thing that's on my desk right now is a naming project. So I'm not a writer by, you know, by trade. I've kind of fallen into it, 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 this project, uh, but because I'm creative, I'm taking everything I've learned in the creative world and developing names and, and working with copywriters to develop a brand name. So that's a really fun thing because, you know, I went to school for des- graphic design, not, not writing, but this is, again, it's a brand challenge. So I get to have some fun with that. Working on some, there's all these new tools that might not be new to everybody out there in the world. So I've been to learning Sketch, Figma, which are a couple of user experience, you know, web development tools or web design tools. So I'm working on a couple of websites right now as well. And then the other thing that I've learned recently, or I'd be getting a little bit more hands-on is After Effects. Actually, building some identities with some motion components to it has been a a lot of fun. I'm not an expert in that yet. I'm still kind of learning my way through it. But uh, what's been really exciting the last year or so things, I've been able to start to get my my hands dirty in some other creative areas. It's kind of fun to learn these new tools and it's good that they're still open. So that's terrific. You posted a uh, podcast episode of your own not long ago where you shared some lessons learned from companies you had worked at. Sure. Thinking ahead, let's let's do a little astral projection the next year or two. Sure. What do you what do you think you're learning now, or or what you hope to learn? I know it was kind of a retrospective 
thought for your podcast, but as you're projecting ahead, are there lessons that you hope to get more experience with? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of what I was focused on in the past was becoming a great, you know, better creative. And I I still am. Um, But what I'm trying to develop now is, and I've been in leadership world before, but just kind of upping my leadership game, as well as helping refine and define and refine insights uh, with the client, with the internal team, and try to come up with that core idea, that germ, that whatever the, the, the lingo is, that's the beginning of, of a campaign or an idea and be on the front lines of that. That's, that's the one thing that I've been able to do in my career on, on some level, but being at the, the front of the, the line or the tip of the spear, if you will, on that is something that I'm, that I'm really hoping to uh, do a little bit more of as we move forward in the next year or two. Well, I love it. Keep us posted on that. Well, folks, my guest has been Patrick Smith, the creative director of Chicago Agency. And Patrick, as we close, if they were going to do a commercial featuring you and your career, what would be the soundtrack? What's the jingle? What's the rock song that plays in the background of the Patrick Smith spot? Oh, man. <laughs> Put me on the spot on this one. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm going to give the uh, 14-year-old me answer. I, I, it's got to be something from Van Halen. I'm sorry. I, I, that's my go-to uh, rock and roll motivations. There you go. That one. <laughs> well, through the magic of editing, we're playing that right now, Patrick. So hear it in your head. And listeners, this is the Patrick Smith story, as he would tell it through Van Halen. <laughs> Why play guitar? There you go. Good stuff. Well, Patrick, can't thank you enough for being on the show. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. It's been great. How do we connect with you and follow more of your work? Easiest spot. There's a lot of Patrick Smith on LinkedIn. Yes, but I'm there is. On LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but the easiest place to find me is on Instagram under Smith Did It. All one word. Smith Did It on Instagram. Well, Patrick's been uh, giving us a lot of good creative connections, a lot of good inspiration where he gets his ideas. Stay tuned. At the end of this episode, we're going to have a little mini playlist of some of these songs. Maybe we can even match the original with the drug commercial. So it'll be fun. So stay along to the end of the episode. Come back again for our next episode. We'll continue these conversations with creatives from all over about how they get inspired, how they organize and connect a lot of their ideas, and of course, how they gain the confidence to get their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. See you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. COPD makes it hard to breathe. So to breathe better, I go with a Nora. COPD tries to say, go this way. I say, I'll go my own way with Anoro. Once Daily Anoro contains two medicines called bronchodilators that work together to significantly improve lung function all day and all night. 
Panoro is not for asthma. It contains a type of medicine that increases risk of death in people with asthma. The risk is unknown in COPD. Panoro won't replace rescue inhalers for sudden symptoms and should not be used more than once a day. Tell your doctor if you have a heart condition, high blood pressure, glaucoma, prostate, bladder, or urinary problems. These may worsen with Panoro. Call your doctor if you have worsened breathing, chest pain, mouth or tongue swelling, problems urinating, vision changes, or eye pain while taking Panoro. Ask your doctor about Panoro. Get your first prescription free at anoro.com. Oh. 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 People with type 2 diabetes are excited about the potential of once-weekly Ozempic. In a study with Ozempic, a majority of adults lowered their blood sugar and reached an A1C of less than 7 and maintained it. Oh, under 7. And you may lose weight. In the same one-year study, adults lost on average up to 12 pounds. Oh, up to 12 pounds. A two-year study showed that Ozempic does not increase the risk of major cardiovascular events like heart attack, stroke, or death. Oh, no increased risk. Ozempic should not be the first medicine for treating diabetes or for people with type 1 diabetes or diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not share needles or pens. Don't reuse needles. Do not take Ozempic if you have a personal or family history of medullary thyroid cancer, multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome type 2, or if you are allergic to Ozempic. Stop taking Ozempic and get medical help right away if you get a lump or swelling in your neck, severe stomach pain, itching, rash, or trouble breathing. Serious side effects may happen, including pancreatitis. Tell your doctor if you have diabetic retinopathy or vision changes. Taking Ozempic with a sulfonylurea or insulin may increase the risk for low blood sugar. Common side effects are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, and constipation. Some side effects can lead to dehydration, which may worsen kidney problems. I discovered the potential with Ozempic. If eligible, you may pay as little as $25 per prescription. Ask your healthcare provider today about once-weekly Ozempic. Diabetes can be a daily struggle, even if you're trying your best. Along with diet and exercise, Once Daily Tujeo may help you control your blood sugar. Get into a daily groove. From the makers of Lantus, Tujeo provides blood sugar lowering activity for 24 hours and beyond. Proven blood sugar control all day and all night and significant A1C reduction. Tujeo is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes. It contains three times as much insulin in one milliliter as standard insulin. Don't use Tujeo to treat diabetic ketoacidosis during episodes of low blood sugar or if you're allergic to insulin. Allergic reaction may occur and may be life-threatening. Don't reuse needles or share insulin pens, even if the needle has been changed. The most common side effect is low blood sugar, which can be serious and life-threatening. It may cause shaking, sweating, fast heartbeat, and blurred vision. Check your blood sugar levels daily. Injection site reactions may occur. Don't change your dose of insulin without talking to your doctor. Tell your doctor about all medicines you take and all your medical conditions. Taking TZDs with insulins, like Tujeo, may cause heart failure that can lead to death, even if you've never had heart failure before. Don't dilute or mix Tujeo with other insulins or solutions, as it may not work as intended, and you may lose blood sugar control, which could be serious. Find your rhythm and keep on grooving. Ask your doctor about Tujeo. I wanted more from my COPD medicine. That's why I've got the power of one, two, three medicines in Trilogy. The only FDA-approved three-in-one COPD treatment. Trilogy, the power of one, two, three. Trilogy, one, two, three. Trilogy. With Trilogy and the power of one, two, three, I'm breathing better. Trilogy.
Trilogy works three ways. To open airways, keep them open, and reduce inflammation for 24 hours of better breathing. Trilogy won't replace a rescue inhaler for sudden breathing problems. Trilogy is not for asthma. Tell your doctor if you have a heart condition or high blood pressure before taking it. Do not take Trilogy more than prescribed. Trilogy may increase your risk of thrush, pneumonia, and osteoporosis. Call your doctor if worsened breathing, chest pain, mouth or tongue swelling, problems urinating, vision changes, or eye pain occur. Think your COPD medicine is doing enough? Maybe you should think again. Ask your doctor about Once Daily Trilogy and the power of one, two, three. People with type 2 diabetes come from all walks of life. If you have high blood sugar, ask your doctor about Farsiga. It's a different kind of medicine that works by removing some sugar from your body. Along with diet and exercise, Farsiga helps lower blood sugar in adults with type 2 diabetes. With one pill a day, Farsiga helps lower your A1C. And although it's not a weight loss or blood pressure drug, Farsiga may help you lose weight and may even lower blood pressure when used with certain diabetes medicines. Do not take if allergic to Farsiga or its ingredients. Symptoms of a serious allergic reaction include rash, swelling, or difficulty breathing or swallowing. If you have any of these symptoms, stop taking Farsiga and seek medical help right away. Do not take Farsiga if you have severe kidney problems, are on dialysis, or have bladder cancer. Tell your doctor right away if you have blood or red color in your urine or pain while you urinate. Farsiga can cause serious side effects including dehydration, genital yeast infections in women and men, low blood sugar, kidney problems, and increased bad cholesterol. Common side effects include urinary tract infections, changes in urination, and runny nose. Need to lower your blood sugar? Ask your doctor about Farsiga. And visit our website to learn how you may be able to get every month free. If you have arthritis pain, there's reason to celebrate. It's Celebrex. Celebrate, celebrate, come on and celebrate. Powerful 24-hour relief from osteoarthritis pain and stiffness. Celebrex, the first arthritis medicine that targets only the COX-2 enzyme. Celebrate, celebrate, come on and celebrate. Celebrex should not be taken if you've had aspirin-sensitive asthma or allergic reactions due to aspirin or other arthritis medicines or certain drugs called sulfonamides. In rare cases, serious stomach problems such as bleeding can occur without warning. Tell your doctor if you have kidney or liver problems. Celebrate! Celebrate! Come on and celebrate! Ask your doctor about Celebrex. Celebrex, the number one selling brand of prescription arthritis medicine. Celebrate! Celebrate! I have heart disease, watch what I eat, take statins, but still struggle to lower my LDL bad cholesterol, which means a heart attack or stroke could strike without warning, pulling me away from everything that matters most. Because with high bad cholesterol, my risk of a heart attack or stroke is real. Repatha plus a statin seriously lowers bad cholesterol by 63% and significantly drops my risk of having a heart attack or stroke. Do not take Repatha if you are allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar, and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. I won't let a heart attack or stroke come between me and everything I love. Neither should you. 
Tell your doctor to lower your LDL and reduce your risk with Repatha. Pay no more than $5 per month with a Repatha copay card. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only $0.99. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.